Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning focuses on stories from the field as leaders implement collaborative response. Join us every month as we invite our partners to share how they are meeting the diverse needs of students with the integral understanding that every child deserves a team. another episode of Putting the Pieces Together with Jigsaw Learning. Curtis, Lauren, and I are joined today by Nicole Townsend and Mike York from Buck Mountain Central School with Wetaskiwin Regional Public Schools. Nicole is in her second year as principal after being vice principal of that school, and Mike has joined her in his second year as an assistant principal after years of being a high school English teacher. So welcome to you both. Good afternoon. It's great to have you both with us. You know, before we get started, Love to hear a little bit more about background and kind of what brought you to the place that you're at here to date. Mike, do you want to start off and then we'll turn over to Nicole? Uh, yeah, second year as vice principal at Buck Mountain Central School. Uh, I'd actually started my career with Wetaskiwin Regional Public Schools here before, uh, and then I transferred out to uh, the Pigeon Lake area to uh, kind of take on some uh, leadership responsibilities with the English department there. Um, and then, you know, took that as, as far as I felt um, I could do for the time, uh, which was, there was so much left to do, but best opportunity to uh, work with Nicole came up when she received her principalship. And so uh, I could not pass up a, a chance to come back to a school I loved in a, in a great position that has been so rewarding. Uh, and then since then, yeah, I've been taking my master's of educational studies through the University of Alberta. Uh, and right now, my, my focus for my research assignment uh, is to look into retention rates of rural teachers. Oh, that's super exciting. Wow. Be interested to see what that, uh, what that brings out. I've, of course, have an interest and passion around um, educators in a rural setting. It's my background. It's my mom was a rural educator. I was as well. So super exciting. Now, Nicole, Mike kind of sets you up here now. Yes. You know, saying such, you know, the draw of working with Nicole really brought, turn that down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the challenge goes to you of share something about yourself and see if you can build up Mike in, in kind of the same way. So interestingly, so I was a classroom teacher at Buck Mountain when uh, Mike joined us um, a couple years after I had been teaching here. Um, oh, and so we, we naturally kind of gravitated toward one another to collaborate on things going on in the classroom. Um, less on content because I was a math science teacher. And so um, I didn't really have a lot to bring to the table in terms of uh, English and, and, and literacy, but uh, I focus more in the numeracy area and in the sciences. And then um, I had mentors here at Buck Mountain who had gone through the Master of Educational Studies program at the U of A, um, the same program that Mike is talking about. And it was an opportunity to continue working while getting my degree. And so I embarked on that as just a way, um, I am the type of person who likes to keep moving forward and really has no goals in mind. Uh, so I just jumped into a master program and just, just cause I wanted to learn, right? Um, and so then following that, got an opportunity to come on as a vice principal here at Buck Mountain, uh, loved it. Again, I had no, real aspirations of being principal, uh, then then an opportunity came up and here I am. So it's uh, been a pretty natural evolution for me. It's uh, It's been great to have Mike back here at Buck Mountain. We kind of, our leadership styles and our content areas and all of those things kind of complement each other. Um, and it really, um, 
it speaks to a culture of the people that we work with um, because we're, you know, they see us as lead teachers first and then administrators second. And so that is, that, that's kind of the culture of our building and something that we're really proud of. And that love for learning that you were talking about, Nicole, is such a big part of, of that successful journey. Mm -hmm. And I, it actually popped into my head as you're talking about your master's that uh, we just, our daughter just started university this year. And as we dropped her off and got her settled into res, we both were going, oh, oh we'd like to, oh, I'd love to be back. <laughs> but it's so funny because when you're in it, it's, oh, it's exciting. And then you reach that point of, oh my goodness, I just need to get this thing done. And then you reach a point years later of, okay, I could handle doing this again. So I, I think we all share the masters. Jen, you've got your masters. Um, I do in the in the educational too. studies program from U of A as well. And so it was a fantastic blend because I was in Fox Creek at the time. So the ability to do the online portion and only have to go in during the summer was fantastic. The ability nice. to tailor the project to the context I was working in was amazing. All right. So before we jump into the collaborative response, which is actually why we're here, <laughs> um, you know, I know we're going to have a lot of people that are engaging in master's work, mm, looking at ed yeah. leadership um, pieces as well. Why don't we just go around and just one thing that if you could share with somebody listening who's considering or starting in the middle or just trying to push through the end, one piece of advice, Jen, I'll put you right on the spot. <laughs> want to start off one one thing that you could tell someone listening to this and we'll just kind of go around oh find some peer editors absolutely have yeah. someone else read through your work <laughs> and that's well, good know, not only for masters but anything you're putting out anything yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. we live so that true. one um i think for me it's trying to find what's the leverage into something that you have passion in and yeah. in being able to explore i've had friends that had a project or a thesis that actually wasn't totally something they were interested in. They had kind of been suggested to them and it, yeah, it was a bit of a tougher, tougher go for that. How about for you, Nicole? Um, I would say we know, you know, teachers learning, educators learning has an impact on student learning. And so um, it's it, to build on what you're saying about having a passion for it is this being able to share that passion with the people you work with and the students you work with has a huge impact. Oh, that's so that's so true, Nicole. And I would I would uh, double up on that to say that uh, you can't choose ditto as your no, response. That doesn't work. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was just thinking about the importance of oh, surprise collaboration. <laughs> Find a buddy <laughs> and convince that buddy to do to do their masters with you because that idea of either joining a cohort or mm -hmm. having someone else that's in that same program that you can depend on and that you can go through your struggles yeah. with <laughs> is a, a really important piece of working through your masters. Mike, you get last word there, my friend. You know, the thing that I come back to so often is uh, just the idea that when you do your undergrad degree, you see the sliver of what teaching is. Yeah. And when you start <laughs> yeah. to dig into a master's, it, it broadens your view and all of a sudden you start looking at holistic and sometimes systemic barriers and opportunities to improve school culture, learning, all of that stuff. And so just like the amount of the world you see that impacts education. 
All right. Well, we're going to have to take this and, you know, make our own podcast on you know, the benefits <laughs> of higher masters. learning and <laughs> yeah. whatnot as we go. But I, I do know that Jen had some things she wanted to actually get to within this particular podcast. So we should probably veer back on course. Uh, Jen, as you're smiling and giving me the <laughs> let's get it going eyeball stare well curtis i know you've been raving about what's going on at buck mountain central school with respect yeah. to collaborative response and i have not had an opportunity to be there to see it to be a part of it i have only met these two lovely people through a screen where they're leveraging software to support collaborative response so so i want to hear about the journey so i mean where to begin how did you hear about collaborative response and you know, what piques your interest about it? What makes you keep going with it? In an effort to start doing some educational planning for our school division, um, our superintendent at the time had uh, leveraged learning teams within our leadership cohort. So principals and vice principals and district leaders uh, from across the school division in kind of areas of focus. And, and one of the areas of focus was collaboration. And so one of the groups jumped in uh, to this idea of how do we have, you know, teachers across WRPS starting to collaborate. And so they did a little bit of research and arrived at Jigsaw Learning. Um, and so then we started digging into what is this collaborative response? I know a bunch of books were purchased. Um, people started doing some learning and some inquiry. And uh, fast forward a few months, then it was brought to leadership team. Is this, you know, collaborative response something we want to invest time and money in in our school division? And there was a resounding, well, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like, uh, well, this is kind of like the missing piece. We've, we've done response to intervention. We've done PLC work. And we just feel like there's something that's not quite coherent about the work that we're doing. And so um, we jumped into collaborative response in the spring of 2021, I believe. And in September that year, uh, leaders were told, you know, this is kind of a game plan for the year of initiating some collaborative response within your school. Um, move at your own pace, figure it out, right? See what works for you. Um, and that was the year that Mike and I started working together as a leadership team. And Mike and I are both of the opinion of, if we're gonna do something, let's just jump in. And so we held our first collaborative team meeting on September 15th last year. Oh, wow. The other schools <laughs> jumped in in January. We were like, no, if we're going to do this and we're going to do it wrong, we're going to figure it out. Okay, and so you definitely heard the right ready, ready fire, fire aim, aim. thing uh, <laughs> right, right initially. That stuck. We yeah. knew that if we were leveraging the structures properly, that people would start to see the dividends that it would pay throughout the year in the classroom. And mm -hmm. so we're like, well, why wait? What's, what's the point of waiting? We're just setting people up. You know, um, let's learn as we go. And so we literally said, learn by doing and jumped right in. And it, it wasn't, there was clunks along the way. Like it wasn't a, a pretty Shocking. learning journey, but I would say that it's enabled us to uh, get some momentum. And um, it's kind of taught us a lot about the team that we have here and about their readiness to keep going. And it's, that attitude hasn't changed one little bit. It's full steam ahead. Let's keep going. We're on this path. Let's, you know, there are certain times we have to say, okay, we need to slow down in order to keep moving fast. But yeah. it's, uh, it's been awesome. These last, I guess, 16 months or whatever, working within the processes and structures 
specifically, but then also digging into some of the deeper stuff with the data and the continuum of support. So, so uh, one of the things that had struck me when you know, you're working with schools and at the time we we're in a Zoom environment. So these breakout rooms are going on. And, you know, as I'm kind of cruising around breakout rooms, hearing conversations, it really struck me how quickly your school understood that idea of layering teams and that, you know, we had structures in place before. We're not bringing in this collaborative team meeting that we tried right <laughs> beginning of September um, and it's going to replace everything else. No, it fits in its place. I, that struck me how early your school started to get that understanding. So Mike, share with the people that are listening or viewing this, what that means to you as far as the idea of layering the collaboration and what that looks like at Buck Mountain. You know, it's funny. I think when you say, you know, like we just jumped in and we were there, it's, um, one of the initial conversations we had to have with staff was like, well, this isn't actually new. This is just in addition to what we're yeah. doing for. I think teachers got caught up in this cycle of we're doing things and then we're stopping it to do something new and then we're, you know, and that over and over. Whereas this was, no, no, the things that we've done before were successful to an extent. So we're just modifying and adding on to those. Yeah, yeah. So it's like the next step, it's the next evolution of that. And so once teachers realized that all the work that they had, had been doing for five, 10 years was not necessarily going away, they saw that it was like, oh, okay, so I just need to modify this. Now all of a sudden I'm having cross uh, cross curricular conversations with people about this rather than just being stuck to my own subjects and things like that. But I think the other piece for us that works so readily is our staff are eager. They're small. Like we have, uh, I think 11, maybe 12 of us total, including Nicole and I for teachers, plus our educational assistants. Um, and so when it actually comes to having these open and candid conversations about what our next steps are, it really is a, a close, you know, almost, um, I guess, intimate conversation, you know, like we're not, we're not trying to be um, elusive or anything with our answers. We're saying, well, like, tell me if you're having hangups on it, what are your hangups? And we, we actually talk it through. And so I think just the way our staff interact and the way that we're able to work together um, made the system fit so well. So then what do the layers look like? Um, for you, we talk about, you know, and you've seen and adopted the visual yourself within your school of those four layers. What does that look like at Buck Mountain? So uh, one of the changes actually that we're most excited for this year is that we, uh, so we've had a flex block, you know, for the last, uh, I don't know, Nicole, 10 years almost. And yeah. Yeah. And um, it used to be in the middle of our morning, you know, so they'd already been to classes and um, they were kind of getting back into the idea of, okay, okay, what am I missing? What do I need to do RTI for? Things like that. Um, and we really saw that moving that to the beginning of the day would start their days out with that idea of we're focusing on the tier two supports that are going to support us throughout the day. But it also allowed us to have our staff complete their collaborative planning meetings during that time as well. So it's embedded oh, right into the school day. Um, and because it's at the beginning of the day, you know, we request contractually that our teachers are here before the students are. So they can come here and they can get right into their meeting. And so that adds on time that they otherwise would have been, you know, doing various prep, important things, but so is this. And mm -hmm. uh, from there, we have our collaborative team meetings embedded at that time as well, every third week. So instead of having a collaborative planning meeting, every third week, they're gonna have a team meeting. And our three pillars of our school, uh, our sense of belonging, 
literacy and numeracy. So when we have those collaborative team meetings, they're usually the literacy or the numeracy. And because Sense of Belong is a whole staff initiative, because we, we all want our kids to feel like they belong here and our staff, uh, we actually have those on our PD days um, in order to then have all staff collaborate on the sense of belonging and really digging into the issues of if these are our three priorities, how do we as a team get to the heart of which students are struggling with which and uh, you know, what is our plan so that we're all accountable for that learning. Our school support team meetings we have every Monday in the afternoon usually at the time that that works best because uh, being that we're a small school most of us teach a portion of the day but it includes our uh, indigenous support worker our family school liaison worker our guidance uh, or uh, yeah our guidance counselor kind of position uh, our inclusion coach which uh, is myself as well as vice principal as well as a teacher <laughs> and then Nicole as our, as our principal uh, and uh, we, we meet for about an hour or so and go through our agenda there. Jump in and just say, so our case consults are happening as needed. Um, and so that usually, you know, um, we have wraparound meetings. We have um, meetings with teachers about one student, whether it would be learning need related or maybe it's um, something to help them attend to learning. Maybe it's a behavior concern, something of that nature. We would have a case consult. Uh, we try to do those in the morning as well. Um, you know, being a seven to 12 junior high, high school, we have a lot of coaches and those people give up their time freely um, to volunteer for our kids. And we don't want them to have competing uh, kind of priorities at play because of course, all these things that we're talking about at all these meetings are so important that we want people to feel like they're available for them. Um, and then the other piece of that, Mike, just to jump on the layers of the teams, we also have a team called our guiding coalition who's responsible for the structures and processes for collaborative response within our school. So while we, Mike and I do take the lead, um, we have different facilitators. Mike and I don't facilitate the collaborative planning meetings. Um, we do facilitate a lot of the collaborative team meetings at this point, but we're building capacity within our guiding coalition to be facilitators, um, as well as to build capacity in using the dossier software uh, for our collaborative team meeting. Oh, that's, yeah. that's really beautiful. Um, Mike, I'm just going back to something that you said uh, before about the fact that there were a number of teams that you already had in place, but really looking at recognizing what you've got and then how do we enhance or how do we tweak that yeah, perhaps to uh, make it uh, a little more a structural structural and and uh and I'm just thinking when in those layers one of the things that we talk often about is uh we can have all of those teams in place but a critical part of that is how do we communicate with each other like how do how does each team connect with another and um just identifying what is it that you do to create that strong communication between your teams? So we, uh, we actively use the dossier software um, to track all of the uh, progress, but also the interventions that we're supplying to students, all of our tier two, as well as our tier three. Um, plus, you know, we all have a tier one interventions that we've worked through and communicated with staff. Uh, throughout this year, though, aside from just those two, we have access to the agendas of all teams. So anybody can go in and say, hey, what's going on? We try to incorporate teachers who may not be on those teams into some of our action planning and saying, hey, we're going to work with this teacher to try to 
also do this intervention strategy in their classroom. Um, you know, if it's our literacy one, well, that could be something that applies to every subject. So letting those teachers know like, hey, this is going to help you out too. And so just transparent communication. As well, we, we are also planning for active collaboration between those teams to try to support each other as well. So for instance, our literacy team, uh, which I'm actively a part of, is reaching out to the, the core curriculum teachers to say, what does literacy look like in math? What does it look like in science? What does it look like in social? So that we can support these initiatives, even though the other teachers aren't in our meetings, they still have access and a voice in what is going to impact their environments and their workings with those students directly. It's funny because at one point you say, you know, we're a small school. There's only X amount of us. And we sometimes hear we're a small school. Everybody this. knows all the kids. <laughs> uh, we don't need this because if something comes up, I just I talk like we see everybody all the time. How would you respond to a school that says we don't really need the structures and processes because we're always talking. We mm -hmm. see each other. It's not like we're I'm in one wing and Lauren is in another and never shall the two meet. How, how would you respond to that? So I think that while we do talk about kids often, um, you know, because we're interacting frequently, we're not really um, doing anything about it. We're, we're not necessarily problem solving together and then having a systemic response um, when a student need comes up, right? So that idea of there's a difference between informed and responding. One of the things that is unique about our school culture is that all of our learning teams are for all students, right? And I know that we that's something we say a lot in education is that that all of our kids are our kids, right? They're all our kids. Um, but we we live that value in this building, um, and you know we can. We can see that in initiatives or um, things like our literacy team um, enacting a one school, one book project. Um, we're, we're doing readathons frequently, which is something, you know, until I learned more about it, I thought was only going to happen in, you know, junior high or elementary, right? You know, I don't, I don't want to ask a 30-1 teacher to give up 15 minutes to read. It's just so important. But in reality, that, that adds so much value. We're putting in so much capital in that time that we're, we're getting so much in return, right? And so mm -hmm. that culture piece is a big piece of it, but also just that idea that we need a systemic response because we all care so much about all of our kids that if we're acting, responding as individuals all the time, we're going to get burnt out. To add on to that, Nicole, you know, to take your example of the one school, one book, we're, we're hitting all three levels of our school's pillars there. Like we're hitting literacy, obviously, because kids are reading. But what was, was that also support? Well, that supports uh, numeracy and every other core where they need to know how to read with fluidity, right? But then we're also doing sense of belonging because everybody's engaged in one activity at that time that they can then communicate and see the value of. So just things like that, where we're actually hitting a whole school approach. Where you guys are at right now, you're talking about culture and the, the impact that you're having across the pillars. So with the implementation of collaborative response and the work that you've been doing as literacy teams, numeracy teams, and you, the introduction of the collaborative team meeting, what would you say has been the impact on your staff culture? It, it's almost like we are more proud and more um, like outgoing about how awesome we're doing <laughs> rather than um, like, I think that prior to the implementation of collaborative response structures, 
we were, you know, a little bit more of a closed system in that we were really like within our own school, really like we knew what everyone was going on. We're really, you know, um, working well together as a team, but this has extended now beyond our school. We're able to say, this is what we're doing at Buck Mountain. How can we help you at another school do the same, right? And I think that that, that sense of pride is, is really gives people confidence. And uh, then like, you can't stop that train once it's in motion, right? And so I think that that's how it's impacted our teaching culture for sure. Well, and I think you hit on something that I've experienced or seen there within Wetaskiwin Regional of just even as an outsider parachuting in for these leadership days from the first set of conversations to where they're at now, there's just so much sharing and vulnerability of people being able to say, how did you figure out that flex block thing? Because that is killing us in our building. And, and I'm not saying it as a mark of shame. It's I'm I'm legitimately curious of how to make that work. We're just going to keep on building that capacity, right? Like it, we talk about collaborative response, not being what we do, but like the, like how we do everything, it becomes a part of our system. And I think that um, like, as we keep growing, I feel like we're developing leaders in all of our staffs on, you know, because of, we have a common kind of starting point with, with collaborative response. So I think that that's been important. I think one of the things that I honed in on really quickly uh, is that the jigsaw approach is that, you know, there are no experts and there yet everyone's an expert at the same time. Um, and then just having like to use the word that you use, Curtis, vulnerability, the fact that it's okay if I don't have the answer, somebody's going to have the answer. And if we actually just stopped working in isolation, whether that be in our building or across our division, we actually will all come to a better expertise because of it. That um, that idea of, of being able to feel at ease and comfortable and able to admit that I actually don't know what to do in this instance and creating the environment and creating the culture, building that culture to be able to uh, be vulnerable with each other helps us all to grow. So that's really exciting that you you have that in place and you have that happening with your teams. Mm-hmm. So as you're building that expertise and your teams are, are growing their practice, I want to go back, Mike, you talked about, you know, we have universal practices, we have our focus on tier two, you have your layers of teams. Can you talk to us about the continuum supports? Um, that- it is something that we're still actively working on um, developing. It's, it's something that when we look at all the things that we've done over the past year, it's probably the one that's been the most time consuming, but in the best way possible because we wanted to set something up that was actually usable, but also represented the values and the initiatives that we want to have. So like when we look, it probably, I mean, it probably took us four, five months to really hammer in on our tier one continuum um, because we had these teachers who were doing all these amazing things, but not really knowing if that was a tier one, that was a tier two or, or what, because the idea was, well, you know, we want to offer that to every kid who needs it. And it's like, okay, yes, but, but not quite, you know, at the same time of, uh, you know, that whole kind of every kid, every day kind of thing is really what tier one is. And so we're actually finally in a place where I feel like we've got some real groundwork there. And so now we're starting to dip our toes into tier two and saying, okay, well, if these are what we do every day for every kid, what does this look like? And what are these things that we're going out of our way on a, a, you know, situational basis to address the learning needs 
of this child, right? Because it, go, it goes back to that theory of they're not tier two students. They're students who access tier two supports. And, and so that's actually something that we're, we're very active on. Uh, Nicole spent an entire afternoon one day and she made this wonderful mural on our, uh, we have a meeting room and for just this stuff. And uh, it's uh, in the shape of mountains because of course we're Buck Mountain. And uh, we have our tier one, our tier two, three and four mountains on there. And uh, just having that visual representation of, you know, this is what we support in our building. Um, and that doesn't mean that they're, they're fixed. It means that until we're in a place where we're confident with these, that we're working on it. And, you know, and that kind of idea that we're always open to what comes next, but we also want to be able to see that we're making tangible changes. It really stands out to me with what you're saying there, Mike, and how that connects to what Nicole said just a little while ago of if we do this from an individual basis, people care so much for their, the kids and the learning success of all. It's, it's a recipe for burnout. Yeah. You're absolutely right. So it kind of aligns with that. Let's not put 100 things at tier one because your 10, my 10, your 10, it all adds up to there's 100 things we could be doing. But are there some things that we can really hone in on that we agree are highest, highest impact and leverage things we can be doing and then those other things become, they're things we could try based on the context, the, the course, the student, my own personal um, skills and expertise mm -hmm. as a teacher. I, to me, the, I think you've really hit on something that we always try and reinforce that the, the document, the bulletin board, whatever the visual representation that it creates is less important than the messy process that it takes of those conversations because they're not. It's not easy when we deprivatize mm -hmm. what it is that we do. Well, and it and it does come along with that foundation and learning. We're learning and we're articulating our learning now. So that's not easy to do. And we yeah. continue to grow through it too. Um, that's our guiding coalition's goal this year is to really dig even deeper into tier one uh, essential practices within our school. So we've, we're at the point that we we've agreed on what we've agreed on. But now we need to go into each other's classrooms and see, is this actually what we're seeing in, you know, in real time? Is this what's happening in every classroom? Um, and, and in that process, we know like teachers often don't get to see other people teach. And so, yes, we're in there to see tier one practices in action and to, you know, give feedback about, well, you know, maybe we missed this thing or maybe we can get rid of this on our continuum. But I also learned this strategy that this teacher was using and I'm gonna steal it for my classroom and now I can throw that on tier two. Um, and so we know that by focusing in on tier one instruction that our tier two is going to be developed as we go. And, and you're absolutely right, Curtis, the process is so messy. And it is um, the conversations though that we're having because we're in the process is where the learning is happening for us as professionals. and. You know, we talk so much about instructional leadership. There's no better instructional leadership than being able to sit down and say, well, what, what are the essential things in our classrooms? What are the essential things in our school that we do daily? And be able to get all on the same page with that. And then what do we do when that's not enough? Right? That's, it's so amazing. Like when I think about collaborative team meetings, I'm like, well, I can just check off instructional leadership on my growth plan because that's where a lot of that's happening, right? Like yeah. they're oh, not happening so in growth plan meetings. Yeah. It's happening in, 
the collaboration. I had a point, and again, reflecting as one daughter is beginning post-secondary, I, I was at that point of, oh my goodness, a 10-page essay, are you kidding me? That's that's insane. Where now I'm at the point of succinct, get it succinct down to one paragraph, that truly frightens me. And again, the trying to get succinct down to what is at the very, very core of what we're doing in our instruction at tier one is, yeah, it's hard. But it creates that opportunity to wrestle with it too. Yeah. So when you talk about, you know, one practice that you have in your classroom, what does that mean to somebody else in their classroom? And it could be, it yeah. could mean something totally different. So how do we get through that wrestle and actually articulate what is happening in every one of our classrooms? I was just thinking that uh, we've talked lots about your staff uh, developing and growing and building that beautiful culture of collaboration. What has been the impact for kids? Well, you know, I think our uh, admin assistants would argue that the biggest growth we've seen is the number of books flying off the shelves in our <laughs> library uh, and the number that they have to sign in and out. Uh, be because we really have accepted Huge it. Huge problem to have to deal with, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we've beautiful. really accepted it as a, as a whole school approach to solving or, or trying to solve um, the literacy gap that we're experiencing in our neighborhood. And the idea that if in every class we have strategies like, hey, you have free time, why don't you pick up a book, right? And those come out of the collaborative planning meetings, go back to the poll staff. And all of a sudden, we've got, you know, almost every single student in our school with a book in hand. Like that, that, that is one tangible thing that, amazing. you know, you, you as, a, as a teacher dream of seeing. And I also see, just to build on that, Mike, I also see, um, you know, a lot of what we see in curriculum now is about like teaching kids to collaborate and um, working in a profession that is kind of known for being a little bit isolating. Uh, we almost have to learn that process of like how to work well with one another. And that's not to say working, you know, um, you know, kindly or whatever, it means like actually having efficient teams, efficient processes and getting after, you know, the work at hand. And I think that by experiencing that as adults, we can support children better with that. They see how, um, you know, our staff is working together. They know that on Tuesdays, they're not going to be able to find Mr. York because he's got a meeting and they're planning for what we're going to be doing in directed learning on Thursday. Like, Students know that our teachers are spending a lot of time working together. And I think that that sets a great example. And uh, it it's gives us something exciting to talk about with the kids too. Well, and you've just perfectly aligned that idea of there's a difference between a group and a team. Yeah. You know, groups get yeah. along really well and, and can support one another, but teams are deeper. They, they debate, they discuss, they wrestle, they, they get uncomfortable. Um, and, and to show kids that that, discomfort is actually it is learning and when you just put people together doesn't mean that you're actually going to get to any actionable place that <laughs> you need to have some structures and processes around that too but consistent for kids too it's interesting that you say that because i would say that that's probably been the number one positive to come out of increasing the number of collaborative planning meetings that we're having so we meet weekly for collaborative planning meetings for a half hour um, versus if we were meeting, you know, every third week in a rotation or something like that. And, uh, you know, staff are learning how to disagree with one another in a comfortable way, uh, which is something that, you know, you think back to 
like a traditional staff meeting or something like that where people don't want to raise their hand and disagree with what's being said right but because of the frequency i think that that has that's a growth i've seen this year already so well and all of that goes back to the idea that we know one of the biggest impacts on student uh, learning is instructional leaderships teacher learning things like that and mm -hmm. so when we're having these weekly meetings where teachers are having to relearn their practices or grow and, and try different things. It's having an immediate impact, even on the most subtle levels. You know, it might be just something as simple as um, having a conversation about what writing looks like or what if our, our one team, our numeracy team, their goal this year is a math rich environment. So, you know, what does having things on your walls have to do with being numerate? I'm loving this. I'd, I'd like to keep going all day, but I know Jen has places to go and an agenda to follow here as we go. Jen, I, I think we're, we're at a place of a question. This question is brought to you by WeCollab. Designed by educators for educators, this comprehensive digital system aligns with the foundational components of collaborative response. Moving from conversation to action, WeCollab empowers classrooms, schools, and systems to provide the very best response for each and every child by informing action-based decision-making with data and evidence supporting student success. I know that you're new on this. You said 16 months you're into this. But if you could go back to yourself then with what you know now, what advice would you give yourself? I can't say I, I would go back and change much, to be honest with you. Um, I think that part of in, engaging in this is is the, the learning process. And you, you got to do it to do it. <laughs> like, you got to be in it. And so, you know, with that kind of attitude of like, let's just jump in and go for it. Um, that's what I tell people when, you know, when they're having doubts about implementing certain things within their school, like, just do it because you can spend months planning for this and you're going to start at the exact same spot. Like you really are. You're going to, you're still going to fumble. You're still going to, you know, um, have to learn your way through things. So just, it, it's urgent enough to just start. Um, and so I think that there's maybe I would have gone back and, and been more confident about that and not been so, you know, at our first few leadership team meetings, when people are talking about, their first collaborative team meeting and when they're planning it for. And I'm sitting there like, oh, we've already done a couple. Like, are, we, are we supposed to? Right? Like I, I would say I would have more confidence in, in spreading that word earlier. Yeah, I, you know, because we jumped in headfirst um, and really just went for it, I don't know if there's much that I could say that I go back and try to do. Um, I think if I were to speak to somebody who's looking at getting into this, though, um, I would say trust the process because if you're cutting corners or looking at, okay, well, we only have so much time. So what is it that we don't have to do? The answer is you have to do all of it. Uh, it's so layered and it's so like, like a jigsaw um, that every piece is integral and, and it is well worth it to invest the time because it will pay tenfold after. Well, we maybe should have started with that because both of you have heard me say, you know, you know, when collaborative response is really starting to take hold is when someone asks you about it and you say, grab a cup of coffee because this is going to take a while. So for <laughs> listeners that are going, wow, this is this is taking a while to break this down. It's exactly what you're saying. I just want to say that um, 
it's been an absolute pleasure getting to know and work with you and and uh to hear the things that are happening within your school it's fantastic this is your first chance to be able to hear how about for you what are you seeing yeah so exciting to hear not only just sometimes when people first start out in collaborative response it's you know that step by step you know first we're going to find time then we're going to yeah then we're going to go to starting our collaborative team meetings and we're going to do our roles and our you know our norms and it's kind of that step by step but hearing uh, in a very short amount of time, really, for mm-hmm. you to be implementing and seeing that um, impact on the culture of your staff is truly amazing. It's really exciting to be able to hear that and that mm-hmm. you have really grasped onto oh, the, the beliefs and the core of collaborative response. Goosebumps. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to reading Mike's project when he's all done with it with his masters <laughs> and, and at some point I want to come back and talk about what's happening for numeracy because as a former math and physics teacher Nicole that yeah. was my role too <laughs> I'm sure you have immense things happening as well so there's lots to continue talking about but I can see why people are raving about what's happening at, at your school well thank you very much um I like Mike and I have been talking about over you know this time together is you know we definitely are responsible as leaders within our building for setting up the team for success, but the success comes at the hand of the individuals on the team and, and we have the right teams in the right spots. And so as leaders, we just kind of get to sit back and watch, you know, professionals do what they do best. So it's, uh, it's a testament to everyone we work with as well. Ensuring success for all students is a moral imperative for all schools, but it takes a highly coordinated framework of structures and processes to maximize the collective capacity of the team. In collaborative response, three foundational components that transform how we respond to the needs of learners, we share an organizational mindset that involves fundamental shifts for schools and districts. Numerous school and district examples, as well as access to a large number of resources, are provided within the text and in the accompanying companion website. Join the growing number of schools using collaborative response to ensure high levels of success for students and staff, stemming from the essential belief that every child deserves a team. For them being so new in their journey, there, there is a lot of wisdom in, in, in what they've shared. Wisdom. And you know that we can try and say and reinforce the trust, the process. It's, it is a process and it's a learning and it's messy, but when you can hear others that, um, you know, are living it right today at this very moment, that becomes really powerful. I, we're going to have to go back and count the number of times we heard the word learning within that that podcast because they it it may have been apropos and not at all planned to ask about the masters which is all about that deeper level Mike talked about it of moving to that deeper level of learning and understanding but for them to talk about this is a learning process Mm -hmm. and our staff are learners we are learners our kids are learners it's yeah it's just so incredible to hear that 
repeated. Yeah. And you know what, along with that was um, that idea that they just jumped in, they just got started and they went. And even though having fears around it and not really certain about what would happen, that they just took the step to jump in. And we, and again, it's another phrase that we talk about that the ready fire aim we talk about. And, and then when we ask people to say, you know, articulate the one step that you're going to walk away with, sometimes they just have kind of a glazed look and and go, well, I don't know where to start. What's the right place? And (laughs) I don't know. So incredible to hear them just let's go. Let's learn through uh, just jumping in and doing it. Yeah, it really struck me the the setting the stage around the idea of, you know, we're building coherence between with the stuff that we're doing. This is an evolution. These are our next steps. We're not stopping the good practices that we have in our classrooms. This is a a framework so that we can enhance them and grow Mm -hmm. and learn going back to (laughs) that learning piece. And I love what Nicole said there, too, of the idea that if we do this individually, as a profession, we care so much about students and their success. It's a recipe for burnout. Like the way that they're taking that systemic approach, not just in their school, but within their school division of seeing this as together, we can make a greater impact. So we just have to figure out what together looks like when it's really happening, that systemic. I also loved... Mike really alluding to the intentionality mm-hmm. that they're they're bringing towards the work and just really making it clearly articulated and intentional for why we're doing what we're doing within our building. I also love the idea that they have a leadership team that they that work go- with. That guiding coalition. Yeah, yeah. That, that it is other teachers that are helping to lead that work forward. And giving feedback and yeah. what needs to be the next adjustment. Yeah, that's fantastic. So if we were going to summarize those key learnings, (laughs) learn by doing, just jump in. It's urgent enough to start. Yeah. It's an evolution and a process. So trust it. Absolutely. And I think also that idea of everyone has expertise, but everyone is a learner in the process, us included as, as leadership. So incredibly important. All right, that gets me so excited for where we're going to go next in our next conversations of schools and leaders that are living, learning, and and providing back the, the learning to us of how do you make collaborative response something that impacts students, staff, and, and greater communities. For more on collaborative response, visit jigsawlearning.ca or join the JL Insider to receive access to newly added resources and content. Make sure to follow us on social media, subscribe to the podcast and the Jigsaw Learning YouTube channel to access past and upcoming episodes. Join us again for more conversations about establishing, refining, and deepening collaborative response.